Today's interview is with Julianne Avon, who is the Executive Director of Mercy. Mercy is an acronym for the Mental Illness Recovery Center Incorporated. It is a nonprofit, full-service behavioral healthcare organization that is celebrating 60 years of serving the Midlands. Its mission is to create pathways to recovery for individuals who are experiencing or at risk of mental illness and or homelessness. This series on nonprofits, the Nonprofit Minute, is sponsored by the Sisters of Charity Foundation and NP Strategy. Mercy actually started in 1960 as the social club for ex-mental patients. So we've come a long way. <laughs> in 61, the name of the organization changed to Friendship Center, and it was basically just a safe place for folks that had exited psychiatric hospitals to come and socialize and um, see others, you know, peers that had also gone through the same experiences. As the agency changed in the 90s, we started responding to the deinstitutionalization of folks from psychiatric hospitals and began developing housing and very intensive wraparound services to keep people stable in the community. Um, so in 2001, the name changed to Mental Illness Recovery Center Incorporated, thus lending to the acronym of MERCY. So we have a long, rich history in the Midlands community and have, in, in fact, are going to be celebrating our 60th anniversary scene. Congratulations. Um, who do you serve and how do you serve them in terms of programming? Actually, our core mission started out as serving people with mental illness or emotional disorders. Over the years, as hospitals have deinstitutionalized, uh, the community wasn't as prepared as it could have been for um, taking care of those individuals that did have lifelong mental illness that impacted their daily living. So our mission then expanded to include not just people with mental illness, but people also experiencing or at risk of homelessness. It's, it's not one population or the other, it um, is both. And as we have become more experienced in housing and providing the behavioral health care and support services to keep folks stable, we have expanded that to start intervening early and addressing individuals that are, are in the youth age range from 17 up to 25 who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness. And we, what we're finding is if we can intervene early, we can help prevent it from becoming chronic homelessness and lifelong mental illness. What do you have in place in terms of, of housing? Kind of paint a picture of, of how that plays in this part of the solution. Yes, Alan, through um, many programs that Mercy administers, um, we meet the array of needs that individuals have to recover from experiencing homelessness or from experiencing a mental illness or a trauma that could lead to mental illness. The, the first point of contact for folks is typically our outreach workers. We have a team that goes out into the community, goes to the parks, to the shelters, to churches. We get a lot of phone calls. Um, we work with 
the downtown merchants association uh, you know folks will call us and say we've got this person can you come and screen them see if it's somebody you can help we get referrals also from hospitals um, so the first point of contact is going to be the the outreach worker and sometimes that um, may take a number of contacts before a person is ready to really engage with us um, especially if it's an, an, an individual that has been on the streets for a longer period of time, likely they've lost a lot of trust in, um, in others. So we might engage with somebody for months before we can get them to agree to come in and see a psychiatrist, begin taking medications, and then get them into housing. So outreach is the first component. Then we try to get folks into housing. We very much follow a national evidence-based practice of housing first, which means once we can get that person to trust us, we offer them housing, and then the treatment and services comes in addition to that. It's a little different than um, a number of years back, the way housing was provided to individuals that are homeless would be to tie the treatment to the housing and you kind of had to enter treatment first and then get the housing. But the evidence is um, very supportive now that if we can you know, provide that basic need first, then you can provide the treatment and support later. So housing would be next. Then we have our behavioral health care. With that, we have uh, several treatment teams. On the adult side, we do what's called assertive community treatment, or ACT. It is also an evidence-based practice. And the best way to describe it is it's a hospital without walls. So like right now, while um, of course, the pandemic is ongoing. Some of our folks are able to come in and see their psychiatrists come into the shop clinic and get their long-acting injectable from the nurse, maybe meet with their therapist for an individual therapy, but many are not able to, so literally, we take the services to them. It's not unusual for our psychiatrists to go out and see somebody if they're not coming in. Um, our nurses are constantly out taking, if somebody hasn't made it in for their shot, they're going to their homes, giving them their shot, checking um, on their medications to be sure they've been filled, helping them med pack. And right now for counseling sessions, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we um, invested in a lot of camp chairs and so our uh, counselors load a couple of camp chairs in their car and go out and visit the individual in the community. So rather than going inside someone's apartment, we would set up a couple of camp chairs outside and do therapy six feet apart. <laughs> so um, so the, the, that's the behavioral health care. That's what it looks like. We, um, on the youth side, the youth, of course, also enter through outreach, but we also have Mercy started the first drop-in center for youth that were at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness in the state. That opened in January of 2017, and since then, the State Department of Mental Health has been able to open several others around the state, um, and we've been able to work with them. But 
that gives folks a place to come. It's a drop-in center with showers and laundry facility, lockers where they can put their things away. Um, and then there's a treatment team that is own staff there that also has a psychiatrist and a nurse. And on the youth side, we focus on the evidence-based practice of trauma-informed care. So our clinicians there are certified in what's known as trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy. And it's really a way, if, if you've got a young person, say 18 years old, that's wound up you know, homeless, maybe they exited a foster care placement, or um, a lot of times we'll see that the family makeup changes and maybe the mother has a, you know, a new boyfriend and she doesn't want the 18, he doesn't want the 18 year old son there. So they wind up on the street. That's a traumatic event. And if we can go ahead and address that and help them process the trauma, then evidence shows that it can prevent it from manifesting into a lifelong mental illness. So that's the youth side and then the adult side and then housing is, um, is scattered all around Richland and Lexington counties, be it apartments. Um, we have actually a, a home for some of the young men uh, that houses 10 with staff on site. And the, the one other thing we do that supports folks, whether they're unaccompanied youth or adults, is um, we help them get mainstream benefits like um, SNAPs for food, um, you know, formerly known as a lot of people still think of it as food stamps, but to help with food, if someone does have a serious mental illness, then that is a disabling condition, and we would help them with a social security application, with veterans benefits if they're a veteran, with insurance, be it Medicare, Medicaid, and then we also offer payee services. We have a bookkeeper on staff that helps manage their funds and make sure their bills are paid and they have money loaded on a debit card so they can go buy groceries and things like that. Talk about impact of the program. How great is the need and, and is that need changing? what evidence do you have kind of that you're making an impact in Richland and Lexington counties? Well, Alan, the, the need has stayed pretty constant for the last several years. Our outreach workers are typically encountering about 750 people per year that they're assisting that are experiencing homelessness. Some of those individuals are not people with mental illness, and so we make referrals to other agencies, be it a substance abuse agency like Laredac or um, you know, DSS, wherever, whatever service they may need. There are about uh, probably 225 of those folks a year that are on the street or in a shelter that do indeed have a mental illness. So we connect them with behavioral health care Many enter our behavioral health care, but we also partner with hospitals and with the State Department of Mental Health. So we may do the outreach and then determine if the person doesn't need our assertive community treatment. They may be referred to the local mental health center. They may also be referred to outpatient behavioral health at Prisma Health System. And what we're seeing, we have, we have been for a little over 10 years now, um, working with 
the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Division at the um, Department of Revenue uh, to collect all of the the services that our folks um, receive and do a comparison to what they used while they were on the street in healthcare services and what they use after they come into Mercy's Housing and Behavioral Health Care. And so what happens is we, we have a really good data bank in the state of South Carolina to look at hospitalizations, use of judicial system, commitments, incarceration, all of that. The, the main thing we focus on is improving the quality of life and recovery of individuals. So for us, for example, in 2019, when we looked at everybody that was in Mercy's Housing and looked at what they used a year before coming in and then the, what they used a year after, there was a 75% decrease in hospitalizations due to mental illness or substance use disorder that were, you know, that are in our services. We saw emergency room visits for mental illness or substance use disorder decrease by 65% in a year after coming into Mercy Services. And for us, that really represents quality of life and recovery. For folks that don't get the warm, fuzzy feeling of improving somebody's life, it also impacts the economy and the healthcare system for everybody. The 2019 savings in hospitalizations and emergency room visits was 6.8 million for the people that we serve. What are you most proud of in terms of accomplishments of the organization? I started with the, with the organization back in the 90s, right as folks were starting to come out of hospitals and be deinstitutionalized. De and then it was just a day program and people came in in the mornings carrying their belongings when they left the shelters and couldn't leave them there and would stash them under our stairwell. I think I'm probably most proud that I'm, we've always had a very progressive board of directors and Mercy has been able to bend and grow to accommodate the needs of people with mental illness. So, you know, as, as we saw people homeless, we started building apartment communities. Um, then, you know, we've been able to also bring in funds to let us voucher people in mainstream, um, like, you know, just conventional apartment communities. You know, now stepping out into the youth service arena and trying to intervene early. And, you know, our hope is that, you know, in 15 or 20 years, um, we don't have an aged homeless population on the street in the Midlands because we'll have intervened early enough to help them fully recover. That was our interview with Julianne Aben, the Executive Director of Mercy. This series on nonprofits that are making an impact in our communities is brought to you by the Sisters of Charity Foundation and MP Strategy.